As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Going to talk some Cubs uh, here at the one week out mark from opening day. Cubs open in seven days. And I joked on Twitter this morning, but I'm going to tell you guys, it's totally not a joke, that I will absolutely treat opening day as a referendum on the entire season if the Cubs win, if the Cubs lose, of course, it's just one of six, 162 games. Chill out, man. It's not a big deal. Uh, you know, I, I realize I do that every year. And I say that not not that I talk about it that way every year. I do that to myself every year. That is what being a Cubs fan has been for the last, you know, 30 odd years for me. Honestly, I, I struggle and, I, and I've said this to a couple of players over the past couple of days. I'm struggling to not overthink spring stats and i i can't remember if i do this every spring if it's the first maybe it's the first normal spring in a while and, and i'm just like uh start, like uh, stop looking at those numbers why am i overthinking this and then i definitely did it last year the opening weekend they opened with the brewers last year right and it was three awesome pitchers and they looked and the offense just looked really good against three awesome pitchers yeah and i was like that's that's really interesting. What, what's going on here? And obviously that offense was, you know, generally bad, uh, average to bad. Uh, and But that first weekend, I mean, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, and they're taking great at-bats and looked great. So uh, as much as I try not to, it's hard not to overreact to, to small samples or spring training. Uh, I, think, I think the biggest thing for me uh, is – I'm focusing more on stuff and and just little things with the bats uh, and and there are things that are like oh that's that's really good or 
oh dear, that that doesn't look right. So so it's uh, it's less about results and and focusing more on like, oh geez, Keegan Thompson is sitting ninety one miles per hour and only throwing an inning every outing. That's not good. And we'll we'll get more Keegan Thompson information today. So. So let's see how that goes. But yeah, I, I think there's there's stuff to be taken away from it. We we discussed this before, right? Like you you care about it until you or you don't care about it until you do. As far as the spring training uh, numbers go, but it, it's really it's it is there is good information to be had from here. I I think it's just you don't want to overdo the ooh look at Trey Mancini's batting average type stuff. Side of and I were messaging on slack earlier today and i just realized how fluid things are and like how much things can change in a week like we were on planes going in opposite directions and like uh before i left i'd ask ross a question like a general roster thing not at all about like the shortstop or the guys who already said he's like well you know i got I don't care if Dansby Hudson only gets Dansby Swanson only gets one hit all spring, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And then I looked it up; he only had one. And then a couple of days later, uh, I was able to sit down with Swanson for a project, and we talked for about twenty twenty five minutes. And it was getting towards the end, and I was like, "I don't want to like ask him like my first extended conversation with him be like man you're not hitting well in spring training and it looked like <laughs> a total like buffoon covering my first spring training but now a week later i was like that quote of him dismissing the question would really come in handy right about now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny um swanson has become the the avatar for whatever you want spring training to be or not be um you know new new guy coming in big contract very important for the cubs this year and you could look at his spring results and make it about well you know i'm not really looking at his numbers i'm just looking at you know how he looks at the plate and you know he's taking good swings his timing is just clearly off that's why he's swinging through hittable strikes uh so it's fine or you could say yeah but you know strikeout rates in the 35 plus percent range and that stabilizes pretty quickly and that's the one big concern with him uh, even in a good year last year he the strikeout rate continued to climb uh you know you could you can take the numbers in spring training in any direction you want really ultimately. And, the, and mostly that's a product of the small sample because we run into this in season all the time, right? We, we take a two week stretch from someone and we allow ourselves to, we, we, I, I'll give the three of us credit. We would never build a narrative around two weeks worth of stats in the regular season or seek out two weeks worth of stats to match a narrative that we, had pre-existing in our heads we would never do such a thing uh but if you wanted to in spring training you could do it because it's such a small sample and because the guys they're facing are not going to be in the big leagues and it, all of these things and so i i'm actually glad you mentioned swanson um in that respect because uh it, i suspect his spring training numbers are going to become a story only in retro retrospect you know if he starts out fine um, it'll be, ah, see, spring training never means anything. Da, 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 da. But if he starts out slow, which historically he has, I don't know if there's any signal there, but he has every April is kind of pretty rough for him in his career, including the strikeout rate. And so I don't know if he just takes a little while to get his timing right, which would make some sense. Um, 
I think if that happens, you know, we'd look back and say, oh boy, that, that spring training stuff was a harbinger of his struggles. Um, and so anyway, I, that is all to say, I'm with you guys on trying not to do too much with uh, the, I haven't even uh, looked at the numbers much, to be honest with you. I'll say one thing about Swanson. He hasn't pulled a ball hard all spring. His two hits or his last hit was an opposite field double. Uh, so his timing is clearly off. Like that's clearly the issue. So don't look at the numbers as much as where is he hitting the ball when he is making contact. There's been no pull, nothing pulled hard. So he's he's off. He's he's clearly fighting it, which is great. Fight it in spring training. This like what you just said is right. We we we're we're going to build some sort of narrative off this. My only concern, and this it has less to do with with oh no he's struggling in spring or whatever and more to do with he's a big money free agent if he does get off to that really slow start that mentally that's 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 going to wear on him and and he's you just don't want him to press and like this is it's very normal for for that to happen where a guy gets off to a slow start the fans are like what's going on the media's like what's going on the guy's getting questions about it and he starts to overthink it so you you hope if that does happen, he doesn't press, he doesn't overthink it, and he just lets it be, and, and he finds his rhythm. But those are the types of things that can snowball. It hasn't happened yet, so I'm not like saying panic, Cubs fans. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. Uh, April isn't here yet. We don't know how he's going to look. I'm just saying that's – I'm going to be watching it. it. A slow start for a big money free agent, it's just – it happens, and it, it can really screw up that first year for that – for that free agent. I, I think uh, John Lester is a good example of someone that got out of it, right? Found his rhythm after looking like a mess on a big money deal with a ton of expectations. Uh, and, and people were certainly getting on him. I remember that at the time, right? There was a lot of like, oh, what, this guy uh, is mentally screwed up because of the, uh, the first base stuff, right? Throwing the first base. So, so we've seen it and, and we totally, and there are people that totally overthink it. And John Lester is, arguably the greatest uh, free agent signing in Chicago sports history, right? So we, we need to be careful if there is a, a, like a rough April here, even a rough April. Forget this rough March, uh, a rough April for Dansby Swanson and before writing off his entire Cubs career, which I'm sure people, people are going to do anyways if he, if he struggles for a week or two. I mean, the Cubs would never sign a player – an outstanding defensive player from the Braves betting on a mid-career offensive surge and <laughs> handing him a contract so far beyond what he ever could have imagined because he was under the age of 30, right? I mean, that would, like, never happen. So what you're, what you're saying, Mooney, is let's – we just need to make sure that Dansby doesn't suffer a, a wrist injury in the first month. And then, then it's, all, I, all I think Dansby response. I'm with you side of, I, I, that's totally going to happen. Like we are going, like we'll be taking turns writing that story. It'd be like, okay, one weekend you write it. And then like, you know, after the next road trip, like I'll write it. Like that's totally going to happen. I do think by the end of the year, he'll probably be in a fine place and that his defense will carry. And that, um, he's a pretty confident, intelligent individual uh, that I think you know can work through it. I just think the bigger thing is like when we talk about pitching development, like what if there's no there there? Like the Cubs loaded up on defense, but what if the pitching isn't there? And like 
Brett, I was looking at one of your tweets last night of, you know, the Cubs were so good at pitching development that obscured how good they are at hitter development. And there was this like, I don't know, dizzy Pixar photo of a character very proud of himself. I'm not doing a good job describing it on the podcast. The, in- the intent the intent was to offer up an opinion that you know is extreme uh and uh, yeah. could get you some I, <laughs> could get you some feedback. I, I, John Greenberg jumped all over it. I got a got a kick out of that. But I feel like <laughs> if Keegan Thompson's throwing 91 miles an hour and Justin Steele says it feels like I'm pitching under water and Brandon Hughes uh, has a knee injury that, I don't know, Saad, if you're down there, but when I read the tweets, I'm like, oh, this guy's definitely starting the season on the injured list. Like, there's no like no way they're going to rush that. Uh, it seems like a pretty convenient uh, excuse or way to stash him at Iowa and just give him time to ramp up. But, like, I don't know. I'm not really just sold on the pitching side yet. I still think there's just a lot that has to happen and has to continue happening and I think part of the danger or like this is just kind of the I think the reality check that everyone needs to have before the season starts of like the Cubs don't have much figured out on the pitching side like there are interesting ideas and interesting prospects and more velocity and Javier Asad looked great in the WBC but like let's see it you know like I may have missed someone but like since I think 2014 was the last time the Cubs signed an arbitration-eligible homegrown pitcher to a contract. And that, to me, shows getting a guy through your system and having at least two-plus years in the major league and saying, okay, we want to let's just guarantee this guy's contract 20% of it at least before opening day. And, like, until maybe Alzelay is awesome out of the bullpen this year. I, he's looked very good. I'll give Steele the benefit of the doubt. And Thompson and Hughes – we're really good last year. There's no nothing taking any anything away from that. But like Cubs have to have a lot to prove this year. And I think we sometimes can be lulled into a false sense of security when we see these spring training velo numbers or hear about how they talk about it when they actually have to show it this year, big time. Uh you know, I'm gonna take that in a s I'm going to half agree and half disagree with you there, but I think we'll end up in the same place because I think where the Cubs do deserve credit for, in my view, having shown, yes, they can do it, is, you know, the guys you're mentioning, for example, they did perform last year. They did rise up from being not top prospects to being very good big league performers for a season, at least. And we've seen that many times now, uh, mostly in the bullpen. But I think we've seen that there is an ability to put guys in a position to succeed at the big league level guys whose whose either career trajectory in the minors or experience in other organizations perhaps did not suggest that they could be as good as they were with the cubs for a given season where i'll agree with you is i i think and i'm a i'm guilty of this all the time and i really was this offseason with those three guys in particular i'm glad you mentioned keegan thompson brandon hughes and um Justin Steele, uh, what I and a lot of Cubs fans are guilty of is having seen them perform so well last season, you kind of go through the offseason with this mindset of, okay, 
they've got those three guys. You know, they're they're, they're going to work around and, and you know what's going to happen with Hayden Wisniewski and oh, what's going to happen with this guy? But don't you know these three guys are set. They've developed these three guys and they are set. And it's like, yeah, I excuse uh, Cubs fans for feeling that way because we haven't been in this place in a very long time where you're seeing the organization develop a lot of pitchers. But here's the reality. When you look in on other organizations, one season or a half season of good work at the big league level for a guy who's just come up, that's not enough to say, oh, he's set. He's in place. You know, like even Justin Steele, for whom it's, it's more than a season. It's, you know, periodic stretches over multiple years, but like it, it is a mistake to assume that just because he looked so good for the stretch that he had last year, where he did look so good, he was getting results and he was pitching well enough to justify those results. In my view, uh, you, you can't go into the next season, assuming that, Oh, not only is he going to definitely be that guy again, he's going to build on it. He's going to be even better this year because that's all they do is they progress forward. Everybody progresses forward. And it's like, no, there are fits and spurts. You know, it's, it's, it, it is the old development is not linear thing, but it's at the big league level. And I think we've forgotten about that sometimes that, um, sometimes guys take steps back at, even at the big league level. And it's unfortunate. And I, I'm not trying to, um, set up doom on these three guys. It, it's, it is more likely than not that they will be effective pitchers throwing a lot of innings for the Cubs this year, but it is a reminder that you just, you can't make that assumption about younger guys who haven't had sort of many, many years of track record to say, okay, cool. They, they are set in the big leagues in the way you might, you know, how much have we talked about Marcus Stroman this off season or spring? Not at all. Not at all. Because he's got a, you know, 10-year track record of being, you know, pretty darn solid. Um, so, anyway, that's that, that's that's where I'm with you, Mooney, is that we, we need to see that the Cubs not only have the ability of helping flip that switch for certain guys at the big league level, but that they have the ability to stabilize it over multiple years. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I, I think I, I completely agree that this is – I've looked at this year as uh, I, I want to see a little bit more as far as results with the pitchers. I, I think it's hard to deny that they're in a much better place than they were when we were covering this team five years ago with the pitching, right? Uh, but, but that doesn't mean all is well and this is a powerhouse and we can start talking about them in the same way as you talk about Cleveland and Tampa Bay – in LA, right? That's where they want to get to. And I think they believe they can build that type of reputation. 
they're not there yet until we start. This is a big year for the minors and the majors. You, you want to, what you were just touching on as far as it, you want to see some consistency. You want to see, is Justin Steele right right now? Is he his best self? No. Does that mean he's going to start the season in the minors? Absolutely not. He's going to be, he's a part of his rotation. They believe in him. And I'm going to write a little bit about this soon, but essentially he may not be throwing 94-95 come uh, the start of the season. And and we've seen this from other pitchers, and they've had perfectly fine seasons, right? They eventually find that velocity. He may not find that peak velocity by until May or June or whatever, but he needs to learn how to pitch with maybe not his elite best stuff, right? He's still the type of pitcher that has the type of stuff that should be able to get outs and work five or six innings and keep his team in the game. And sometimes that's just the reality of being a major league pitcher. Like you need to learn how to deal with that. It's not always going to be the best stuff. David Ross has talked about this for years. He he gets a really frustrated with these guys that think, oh, you know, they they work in the pitch lab and they go see all the numbers and like, yep, that's how it's always going to be. The nasty spin rate and the velo in the upper nineties and. That's not how it's always going to be. You're going to be feeling off someday, and your name's going to be called, and it's your day. It's your fifth day to go, and, and you got to go pitch, and you got to figure out a way to make it work. John Lester didn't feel great for all, whatever, 200 innings that he threw every season. That he threw every season. The, the, the best of the best aren't always in the best feeling the best, but they find a way to make it work. They're going to have bad days. They're going to have great days. But you need to find a way to keep your team in the game. I think Justin's starting to understand that. Justin Steele's starting to understand that. Um, and I think he we're, we're going to have to see that in April. He may he may be sitting 92 or 93. You want to see him take up a little bit more. I think the last start was a little weird. He, he said he was just off all day. So let, let's take him at his word for now. Uh, let's see where he is velocity-wise next start. Uh, he really can't, even if he is sitting uh, low velocity, he can't he can't be walking five guys, right? That That's the bigger concern than the velocity because I think the velocity will come, and I think it's just a, a build-up thing for him. Keegan, it's, it's clearly a mechanical issue and maybe a strength issue. He needs to go get get right again, and and I think unless he looks good today, I, I think that may be someone that, that we see sent down. I, I agree with Patrick that with Hughes, this is this, – the, they said he, they're going to try and have him pitch this weekend, uh, try and avoid an IL stint. I think he's he's probably not on the team to start the season. Uh, like a great great excuse to make here. Not not that he isn't bothered by this knee. Not that that isn't the reason. But I think it 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 makes a lot of sense to just say, okay, the, this is bugging you. You don't look right. You're supposed to be one of our high leverage arms. There's no way uh, Ross is going to trust him in the eighth inning the way he's looked. He's just he hasn't looked good. Uh, and, and that's the same with Keegan. Keegan's been getting outs. Uh, and, and when I saw him back at home, when I was watching an outing, I, I didn't have the, the, the radar gun wasn't up, right? And he was getting out. So I was like, oh, Keegan looks like himself. And then I come into camp and I hear like, Keegan's sitting 91. I, I don't know. This seems off. And it's like, oh, he is? We, didn't, we weren't seeing velocity readings back home. On watching on marquee so so yes i think i think uh we'll see what happens with keegan but i that's that is something where i'm like hey you, you got to get right you got to get that those mechanics right but i will say this there, like you said we're not talking about marcus stroman because he he looked great in the wbc and he's gonna look great you know i'm sure when he pitches again here and i i think he's gonna be fine uh, jameson tyon looked 
great the other night. You know, nobody was paying attention because it was uh, Shohei Otani versus Mike Trout in the WBC. But but Tyon looked great. Uh, yeah, it's spring training again, but the stuff looks good. The velocity is where it needs to where it needs to be. I don't know if he'll miss that many bat- bats. But this team's not going to walk anyone. Uh, I was I was talking to some players about this and some guys that weren't on the team in 2018. Do you guys remember the start of 2018? Do do, do you remember watching you Darvish and and Tyler Chatwood and hating life? Uh, like <laughs> some of the some of the worst pitched baseball I've ever watched. And why was that? Because both of those guys were walking every other batter. It was it was well in Jose Quintana. His walk rate spiked. That, if I remember correctly, that, right? that was when his walk rate spiked too. It was miserable. It was miserable. I talked to uh, talked to some guys that hadn't been on the team, and they they were like, "Oh, I remember that." Like they they remember how bad it was. Like four plus hour games because every like Darvish couldn't find the strike zone. Tyler Chatwood never found the strike zone with the Cubs, uh, and like it's going to be the opposite this year. They have strike throwers, and they're they're going to throw a lot of strikes now. Does that mean they're going to have a great rotation? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. They're, they're not going to miss a ton of bats. But between Tyon between, uh, and Stroman and then Wisniewski looks great, obviously. And Smiley really turned a corner kind of. I think I think he's one of those uh, veterans that you can say like uh, like kind of dismiss early on. He's, he's trying to figure some things out, get his body right, get, build himself up. And his last two outings, he's looked like himself, right? I, I think he threw the day or two before I I arrived, and then he threw yesterday in a minor league game and just was, you know, had, you know, it's a minor league game, but still just d- didn't give up anything and, and just looked good and, and was getting his work in. That's four guys that you feel pretty good with going into the season. So great, great, great. I'm not saying that, like, at all is well. I'm just saying – there's there's some good stuff going on. There's some red flags already popping up, and and I want to see more this year. I said this uh, uh, on a on a Fangraphs podcast recently, uh, previewing the Cubs season. But I think this is a year where I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued by what you're doing with your pitching. Uh, you you have my attention on this. Now now continue to build on that. Like I want to see Justin Steele repeat that performance that we saw. Uh, for a few months there. I want to see a couple more guys come up to the big leagues and impact this team, whether it's Jeremiah Estrada or another surprise guy that we weren't, like we weren't talking about Brandon Hughes a year ago, right? Uh, I want to see uh, Jordan Wicks and and Ben Brown and uh, and these guys dominate at double A or, or look really good at double A. All these other names, you know, we can go down the list. And like I've said before, we, we weren't able to do that three, four years ago, go down the list at all. It was like one or two names. And then like, I don't know. Uh, so, so it's it's good. There's good news, but it's also like show me, pr- prove it to me. Take take that next step. Show that you are this great pitching development uh, organization. Uh, like you're you're kind of that. Uh, like they believe they are on the verge of that. Okay, now prove it. Now let's see it. Continue to take those steps forward and and just be this be this team that's continually producing pitching to where when these red flags with Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele pop up. You're not worried because you have Javier Assad to step into Keegan Thompson's role, and and Justin Steele is a smart enough and good enough and 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 well developed enough pitcher that he can kind of work through the kinks early in in April and May and get to a point in June where he's mowing guys down again. I mean, we've all talked about this probably since last April when the season collapsed of the idea that like starting pitching can cover up a lot of mistakes and just 
make everything better. Uh, but I do think the rhetoric is a huge part of the story here. And Brett, you made, you made a great point of like, you know, fans mentally kind of just said, you know, Keegan in steel rotation. Oh, Brandon Hughes, he's our lefty. And like that comes from the top of the organization. That's Tom Ricketts saying, you know, we've got things figured out on the pitching side. It's the personnel choices that Jed Hoyer's front office makes. It's Jed sitting in the interview room saying, you know, I'd love to have an entirely homegrown bullpen. And it's, you know, Marquee in the score highlighting all these Cubs coaches. And it's like the sweeper mania. Like the Cubs have, you know, very publicly said, we have things figured out over and over again uh, in spite of 90 lost seasons. And we, we all look at this team exhaustively. We always try to put ourselves in their shoes and try to see what they see and see their point of view. And I think they would largely agree with a lot of this pushback kind of that we're talking about here. They're not blind to it. I mean, David Ross uh, was a catcher on two World Series winning teams. I mean, Jed Hoyer was at Kurt Schilling's house for Thanksgiving. Like, these people know what great pitch. I mean, Tommy Hadovy, the run prevention coordinator for, like, the greatest defensive team ever, maybe. Like, they all know what the standard is, and they know they're not there yet. It's just that there's been a lot of public messaging about – you know, kind of what we're doing on the pitching side is super interesting. Like, just give us some time. And like, you know, starting next week, uh, we're going to have to see it. And they're going to have to keep, you know, backfilling and getting creative and, you know, dealing with, you know, the stuff that always pops up in every season. Like, things go wrong. And let's see how the Cubs adjust to it. Uh, In conclusion, it's also why so much fixation on the quote fifth starter job in the rotation was always a bit silly because you know injuries happen yeah but also you just end up having to reshuffle guys in multiple roles because it's just like when you actually get into the thick of it it's like ah i'm not sure this is the best uh, best way to deploy certain pitchers to to you know, help us over the next few weeks and so we're gonna have to have this guy doing this and i, I was thinking about that recently because of the reframing of with Javier Assad and how quickly it sort of became, it went from, you know, well, he's obviously in that fifth starter mix and he's obviously like the depth starter, obviously. And then like, bam, within two days, it was no, 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 no. He's obviously in the bullpen. I mean, he's obviously going to be a multi-inning guy in the bullpen. And, um, you know, it makes it makes the idea of, and I'm not suggesting this. I'm just saying nobody's talking about. Well, what if Hayden Wisniewski was in the bullpen? What if he was? What if he got in? You know, that seems crazy now. But then, what if this happens and this happens and this happens? You realize, oh, you know what? That is the best the best way to orchestrate the guys right now. And so, I think just to sum up this conversation about the pitching, and it it speaks to what the Cubs have done developmentally. It also speaks to the arms they have available now. It also speaks to prospects coming up. It's just really hard to predict. And it, it, it is easy in the off season because there aren't games happening every day. It's easy to think that things are set. You know, this guy is this thing, this guy is this thing, and they're going to be in these roles. And when the rubber meets the road in the season, all of this changes rapidly. It just really does. And so we'll, we'll, obviously talk about that throughout the season here on the podcast, but it's also just a comment, I suppose, for fans. And I include myself in that mix that, um, 
you know, got to be flexible in your thinking and the Cubs will have to be flexible in their thinking too. And, um, I want to not forget to mention, um, so the Cubs, a lot of cuts, uh, today, finally, they still have 41 in camp. So there's still 15 to cut down. And I think a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now is going to aid in that. Cause there are probably some guys who are quote, big league roster guys who are going to either start behind or hit the injured list or, or what have you. But, um, we saw a number of quality depth pieces finally head out. Um, I think it was, I actually was encouraged in looking at a list of some of the cuts today, you know, with Cam Sanders and Nelson Velasquez and, um, just guys that I'm like, you know, I can see them contributing this year. And they aren't even in the last round of cuts. They're in the second to last or third to last round of cuts. And that's nice. That's nice to see. I think that's that speaks to there being a little more depth than we were used to seeing. Um, so you guys can, can drop a thought on that. Uh, but I also want to make sure we don't forget to mention what you wrote about this week, Sahadev, which was the, the potential that Seiya Suzuki returns a little sooner than maybe we were fearing or hoping. So take any of those threads and, and jump on it guys. And then, and then we'll wrap. Yeah. Well, I think Patrick had touched on this before about how quickly things kind of change. And uh, I know I left camp the day that say got hurt. Uh, and, and it was kind of, it's, it's one of those things that that's the injury that unless it's super minor, immediately you find out it's just like a, a nothing thing that's just like, you know, don't, don't do anything for two weeks and you'll be able to play again. Um, that you wonder, oh, geez, is this going to be six weeks, eight weeks, longer uh, if, if something weird happens? Uh, I, I really think missing the first month of the season was on the table initially. And that's that's not even like really a thought anymore from the, the people that I talked to. Uh, and this was before he went through everything this past week where he's gone through a ton. He's done a ton of stuff. Um, we watched him throw that medicine ball, ball around. And I know you think, like, just hearing that, I think, doesn't do justice to the visual of him throwing the medicine ball around, which is, you know, a big, like, not one of these small ones, like a basketball size, but like, uh, like a, like, what, what do you, you know, just like, you know, a, a foot or two in, in diameter. Um, and he was throwing that thing like the length of two football fields. <laughs> he was, just through the uprights, just oh not exactly. gosh, just He was like but, the Mendel bombs from that Seinfeld episode, just right. carrying it around everywhere. Essentially, but doing in, doing front flips. Yeah. I saw. I, I saw he he incorporated front flips into his routine. So man, this guy is fit. Yeah. No, but I mean, he's he's aggressively throwing that against the wall of the ground, and and obviously. If you're feeling anything there, you're not able to do that. You're, you're just not. Uh, so, like, he he must not be feeling it at all. He, he took uh, dry swings, I believe, as, as Ross called it, and, and now he's taking, uh, lot, like, uh, BP in the cage, regular BP in the cage, and he's coming out of everything feeling great. He's running. He's throwing. He, he's doing it all, right? He, he ran the bases uh, yesterday. It, it seems like he's doing really well. Uh, I I think now the target is if he misses two weeks, great. If he misses, if he's on the minimum, uh, a minimum DL stint, IL stint, which I believe the way it works is it's always tricky at the start of the season. And I always, I always have to remind myself, but I believe at the start of the season, you can still backdate three days. 
So that would mean three days. So that would mean seven as long days. As you didn't, yeah. As long as you didn't, as long play. as you didn't appear in a cactus league game. Right. Yeah. Which is what it used to be. At least that's what it always used to be. Right. So all, I think that's all the more reason why he won't appear in a cactus league game. Uh, you can backdate that three days. Uh, and I mean, he could be close to, to coming back seven days into the season. Like if it's a minimum stint, that's seven days in the season. That means it, the, the weekend they get back from Cincinnati. So two series, I don't like, was anybody considering that initially? It seemed like that was just like a pipe dream. Initially. I think that's the optimistic scenario, which, you know, setbacks happen. Let's not get, get too far ahead of ourselves, but he's done a ton so far. And there hasn't been anything to suggest that, that he needs to slow down. Uh, It's, it's good news. It's I think that's, that's something that you can point to as, they, they avoided something pretty bad here that they need him, right? If this season is going to be better than people uh, kind of expect, it's going. part of the reason is going to be Kaseya Suzuki stepped his game up and became this middle-of-the-order bat, right? The, the, he's a big part of this team's success in 2023 and beyond. So missing a week compared to a month feels, feels significant to me, especially when you're looking at a team that – uh, kind of maybe more mentally than anything needs to get off to a solid start and not fall apart at the beginning to kind of like uh, keep everyone engaged uh, both outside and, and within the clubhouse and keep them believing that, Hey, we got something here. Let's, let's, let's go and, and surprise some people. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Asad, if you did a great job staying on top of that, because roughly two weeks after Seiya was initially injured, there was this buzz like, we're looking at mid-April. And to be honest, I just didn't believe it. Looking at uh, Seiya's history, how conservative the Cubs typically are with these injuries, and just how tricky these oblique issues are are typically and then how quickly things change and right around the time I was leaving Arizona say I just begun like playing catch which did not sound like much but clearly he's ramped up this past week and you know we were talking about the depth earlier that's interesting that's great you need it but you also need stars and to me if if I were the Cubs or a Cubs fan, uh, I thought this World Baseball Classic was just such a jarring, like how far they've fallen outside of like the national international baseball conversation. Like if you're a Cubs fan watching Kyle Schwarber's epic at bat versus you Darvish, like the COVID cost cutting casualties of what was a division winning team. And then you see them holding up Seiya's jersey. Like, are you kidding me? Like, the last World Baseball Classic was Javi Baez becoming this, like, global phenomenon. And everything he was doing with Team 
uh, Puerto Rico. And I thought just to see that jersey and, you know, people being like, oh, maybe let's recruit Otani. Like, uh, I don't know, the big star was Lars Nupar from what I was told. Like, I was told, you know, one of our colleagues in the Japanese media is like, yeah, we're going to be like, St. Louis is going to be a big story because of Lars. So maybe maybe he'll recruit Otani to do like a reverse Pujols to uh, St. Louis. But, I mean, good news on the Seiya front because they just, we've been talking about this from the moment, even before he got injured. Like, you need best case scenarios, you need guys to just really pop. And that's why they paid Seiya. And he has, you know, the track record, the profile, like the potential to do all those things uh, as long as he's healthy. Yeah, the Cubs need a lot of best-case scenarios, and the best-case scenario for someone like him is considerably more impactful than the best-case scenario for some of the depth, for example. And so, yeah, he he does carry an outsized impact, and therefore the difference in him returning in a week versus a month is, I think— I don't. I don't think we overstate it when we hang on that as a as a really meaningful difference. And I would add too, you know, it isn't just the games he misses. It's there's something about it feels like then he's less, he's not as far away from doing the same baseball activities that everyone else was doing to ramp up for the season. You know, for a guy who um, didn't quite get a normal spring training last year and who was maybe on a bit of an accelerated ramp up this year because he was going to be playing in the WBC for him then to miss eight weeks or whatever and be sort of really down in rest mode and not even doing anything and then trying to come back and then ramp up in minor league games and um, it just it feels like the odds of it lingering in, in sort of slowing him down in the regular season are slightly reduced if he's back a little sooner than if, if, if he had to be kind of all uh, just in total rest mode for, for a while. So yeah, it's been pretty encouraging. One thing roster wise that I find interesting now, because this may be shorter than expected, I do wonder if that means you don't bring Mike Taukman in and, and, take that 40-man roster spot up, especially considering Brandon Hughes is hurt and you may need that 40-man spot for Mark Leiter. There there are a lot of moves here that that I'm starting to wonder if things are changing as far as, like, this is a this really is a day-to-day thing with the roster. Like, these final few spots on the roster, I, like, it, it's going to be interesting. To they, they have decisions to make. They have guys they don't want to lose, but I think they've, they kind of understand they're going to – they can't keep everyone, especially on the pitching side. There are guys like Leiter and Duffy uh, and, and maybe one other arm that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Who They're not on the 40-man right now, and they'd like to put them on, but they just won't be able to uh, because there's guys that they want to keep at the back end of that 40-man roster. Uh, it, 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 it's going to be interesting. There's a couple – and it, like a guy like Amaya and a guy like Canario that are on the 40-man that you can't put on the 60-day – because that that complicates things. Those are some maneuverings that that kind of guys that are far away, like Ben Brown. He's on the forty man, right? He's not going to be impacting this team, at least not in the first few months. It, 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 you know, it'd be a shock if he did. But a lot of guys on the forty man that aren't part of this that that are kind of uh, cluttering up the forty man almost. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do. Because you need those arms. You need that depth. It, you can call it a good situation in, in one degree, 
but it's also like you got to make the right decision then too, right? You have to nail it. You don't want to give up. You don't want to lose uh, a reliever that goes that that a contender picks up and is able to stash, and then he called they they call him up in June, and and that guy's nasty out of the bullpen, right? That's always frustrating to see. It happens. Uh, Liam Hendricks was in camp with the Cubs once. Uh, a couple other guys. There's you look around the league. They've been in camp with the Cubs or. You know they've, they've been dropped all over. That's typical of relievers, but uh, it's it's just one of those things that I'm going to be keeping my eye on the next few days. I'm really curious to see how they fill out the rest of this roster. All right, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, <laughs> he's he's done, he's done. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good place to leave it. And I do think that it's it's all the more reason why we'll see a lot of these edge decisions on the roster go deep into next week because it's because what if you you make a decision and then it's like boom the next day the next day a guy steps on a baseball and rolls his ankle and so there's 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 no point in making some of these decisions any earlier than is necessary um all right to that end we'll be back at you next week this is on to waveland it's the cubs podcast here at the athletic i'm brett taylor you can get my stuff at bleacher nation that is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you as always. Uh, hope you enjoy this last week of spring training. And, uh, you know, have a nice weekend. We will try to do the same. Take care.